Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Ain't you glad it ain't Romans 1 again? Uh, 1 John 4, 1 through 6. We're going to read these verses and, and talk about something for a few minutes here. Let's see how well we can do time-wise. Alright, the Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That's a fact. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Now listen to what he says. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Now that's not as shallow as you might think it is there. And it's not, confess is not just saying. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to tell them to depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So, all right. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, who? Those, yes, the spirit of Antichrist, those spirits. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God Heareth not us, and hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we're going to talk about tonight the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, and how you know the difference. The New Testament uses the word spiritual 22 times. 22 times, spiritual. Now the first and the most elementary truth about the new birth is that we stop living after the flesh and start living and walking in the Spirit. Now we go to Romans 8 and we can go all over the New Testament and prove that over and over and over. It is a basic thing. It's one of the starting points of learning. When you're born again of the Spirit of God, you become spiritual in your mind, in your thoughts, in your life. Your reasoning and your learning and all, it becomes spiritual. Now, do you understand what I'm talking about? After all these months of preaching about spirits, do you understand what spiritual is? That doesn't mean you're just, it's not just a, a, a classification. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of thinking, a way of living. It's your being. You become a different person. If man being Christ, he's a new creature. And he, and, but I'm in this, we sang that song, uh, you know, the old man's dead. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, I may look the same. I may wear the same old clothes. I may go, you know, but I'm, but it, well, it's not like you see. I'm new on the inside. I'm a new man. The old man is dead. But that new man, that's one of the main characteristics about him is that he thinks, he reasons, He's aware. More than anything, he's aware spiritually instead of blind like he was before. We're translated 
from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of His dear Son. That means we're moved from one place to another. Elijah was translated. Enoch was translated. That means he <laughs> he got beamed up. You know, he got changed from here to there. You're not in the same place. You don't just stay in the same place. You don't just stay like you were. You're different. You're a different creature. And you're in a different kingdom. We see everything in a new light when we're born again. It's not just, you know, going down the Romans road, praying the sinner's prayer, and that's it. You're born again. That is not being born again. Born again means this. We see everything in a new light. We're made aware of the fact that the physical world that we can see with our physical eyes is controlled by the spiritual world which we can't see with these eyes. You hear me? Yes. When you're born again, you're made aware of that fact that everything is being controlled and influenced and manipulated by powers that you can't see. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're wrestling against as a Christian. Now, before we're saved, our superstition and our fear proves that we're aware of a spiritual realm beyond our apprehension. We can't get a hold of it. We can't uh, touch it. But we know there's something there. Our fear and our superstition proves it. What are you scared of the dark for? Why do you have nightmares? Why does that worry you so bad? You know, when you're lost. Why do fears torment you when you're lost? Shouldn't do that if you're saved. But that proves that you are aware somehow of evil. Spiritual evil. Of something beyond what you can see and touch and, and know about with your senses. But the natural man, the carnal, natural man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. We know that verse well. We've, we've heard it so many times, but do you really understand what it means there? Uh, you know, Calvinists and most Baptists teach then believe that your spirit is dead. That's what they call spiritual death. It can't be. Because your spirit is able to receive from the evil spiritual powers before you're saved. The, the, the spiritual death that we, that if you want to call it that, is between us and God. We're dead to righteousness. We're dead to God. We can't receive. Our spirit cannot receive from the Spirit of God. It's foolishness to us. And we can't know it because they're spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. Not carnally discerned. Not discerned with intellect and education. Not discerned with any kind of thing like that. You can't discern it with magic or tarot cards. Saul found out, had to call a witch, and she just lied to him. They're all liars and deceivers. The evil powers, evil spirits are liars and deceivers. Our sin has separated us from God and all that's left for our spirit to receive is evil and superstition. That's the state of a person who's 
who's at enmity with God. Their sin has separated them from God. They can't receive anything of the Spirit of God. That's right. How do you get saved then? Well, the Bible is misquoted so many times. It said, no man can come unto me except the Spirit draw him. The Bible does not say that. Except my Father which is in heaven draw him. That's right. I do believe that God is the initiator of salvation. There's none that doeth seeketh after God. That's the way it is. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. God's goodness is reaching out to us. I believe God reaches out to us first. We love Him because He first loved us. I would have never got saved if God hadn't reached out to me. And the Spirit of God convicts us of sin. (laughs) That's what He does. But when we're born again, He moves right into us. Right into our body. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. When we're born again, He lives in us. How can you not be spiritually aware if He's living in you? He opens our eyes. The miracle of the new birth is that the line is reopened to God for us and we can receive the things of the Spirit of God. The comfort, the assurance, the, the guidance into truth. You know, all of those things we can receive of the Spirit of God. The light upon the Word of God that gives us understanding. It all comes from the Spirit of God. Once He's living in us. Once we've been born again and we're made aware of His presence, of the reality of it all. There's no battle in our soul until we know what truly true holiness and righteousness is by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God. There's, we're not fighting no fight. What are you talking about? Sinners don't fight no struggle with good and evil. They have yielded their members to sin. All of us did. Before we were saved, that's the way of a sinner. He's yielded to sin. He ain't fighting it. He ain't fighting no battle. They're simply lemmings. Who were we talking about? Anna, we were talking about today. And I said, and she said, what is a lemming? Well, it's somebody that blindly follows somebody else or the masses to their own destruction. They're simply lemmings in the masses that are under Satan's control through the chains that he has deceived them in to putting on themselves. (laughs) He didn't do it. You did it yourself. He just said, put these on. You said, okay. They're good for you. They'll help you. They'll keep you safe. You'll enjoy it. The first task that we got to learn when we enter this spiritual war is to identify the enemy. Now, I've mentioned this before, but listen to me here. First John 4, 1. The first verse we read, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Sadly, Most people who make professions of faith or who attempt some kind of beginning as a Christian are never even taught or warned about this most important matter. Beloved, believe not every spirit. They're not told that. They're told to believe everything you see and hear in church. 
or on TV that's Christian. Nobody's warned. Nobody, that, that's a bad spirit, they say. You got a bad spirit. You got a mean spirit. You're mean spirited, they say. Because <laughs> you warn people about lying spirits. You remember how they drug Micaiah out of the prison and brought him out there, Jehoshaphat and Ahab? And, they, and so he started preaching to him, and he said, <laughs> you know, uh, somebody came before the Lord. They came before the Lord, and, and uh, how was it? He said, the devil, who will be a lying spirit in the mouth of my prophets? Well, there you go. And the prophets, not his prophets, but a lying spirit. What they did to him? They smacked him. They beat on him. Because he said lying spirits. He... No, they don't like to hear that. Instead, most are told to love everyone and trust everyone and to assume that everyone who says they're saved are really saved. Isn't that what everybody's taught? I mean, when you're supposed to just accept everybody at their word. If they say they're saved, they must be saved. Because we ain't got a right to judge. Isn't that the way it is? That's what everybody's taught. So it's almost as if all the doors and windows to our heart and mind are open and the walls taken down and anything that has any kind of a, or some kind of association with the Bible or anything Christian is allowed in with full freedom to operate. It's kind of like defund the police deal, you know. Just ain't no guards. Take away all the guards. Open all the doors and windows. Just let everybody have free run of everything. Now, we're talking spiritually here. That's the way new Christians are taught. Instead of what the Bible says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see whether they have God. Now, that's not spiritual warfare. That's spiritual suicide. That's what it is. When you just open the door, he that, you know, uh, (laughs) I must be tired here. He that ruleth not his own spirit. What's he like? Well, he's like a city without walls. Broken down without walls. We must put on the whole armor of God. And that's the thing we need to kind of get into, but not tonight. We must put on the whole armor of God right here in this chapter. That we may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. If we do not heed the scripture's warning right there, we're going to fall for his wiles. You know what wiles means? It means strategy and tricks to ensnare us. Lying spirits. Lying spirits. You've got to be able to tell the difference. You've got to be able to tell the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now listen to me. There's two kinds of spirits that we must learn to identify that are the most basic truth and error. Spirit of truth, spirit of error. That's what's mentioned here. Don't you think that's really the most important? I mean, that's just like knowing which is the gas pedal and which is the brake. Don't get in the car until you and start driving until you absolutely know which one's which. You're going to have a wreck. The, it's not simply truth and error that we must learn to discern. Are you listening to me? That's what. That's where we stop right there. We think we just learn the truth. We study the Word of God, and we and we study, 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 and we get it down till we know. We know this, and we know that. And we know all the facts. And we know what God says, and, we, and so that we know the difference between truth and error. No, that ain't what we're talking about here. 
We're not talking about knowing the difference between truth and error. We're talking about knowing the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Because there's where you get tricked. There's where the devil, his wiles, get you. People who think they know the truth. That's why you see so many people who are so steadfast and dogmatic and strong and then they end up being a pervert or something. They may know the truth. There's such a thing as holding the truth and unrighteousness. Now, how do you do that? Well, there's a spirit of truth and a spirit of error. The spirit of truth will just be flat out honest with you. The spirit of error won't. So it's not simply truth and error that we must learn to discern, but the spirits that are behind the truth or the error. That is so important. I don't know. You know, I'd repeat it again if I thought it would help you. We're not talking about knowing the difference between truth and error. We're talking about knowing the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And that's what he's telling us how to know right here in these scriptures. The devils are good at lying and deceiving. And they use the truth to lead us into a lie every time. That is absolutely 100% true. The spirit of error will lead you into error by telling you the truth. It's so obvious. The devil did it every time. When he tried to tempt the Lord, that's what he did. When he tempted Eve, that's exactly what he did. He approached, every time we see the devil in the Bible doing anything, we see him quoting the Word of God. And twisting it. Using what somebody knows the Word of God says to lead them very subtly over into a lie. It don't take him long. If you know the spirit you're dealing with, you'd be a lot safer, wouldn't you? Because as long as he says, well, now, number one, blah, 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 don't you believe that? Yes. Well, number two, blah, 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 don't you believe that? Yes. The first thing you know, you've yesed your way right into a a lie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you know the old tricks they pull on people like, uh, you know, spell spell joke. J-O-K-E. Spell it again. J-O-K-E. Spell it again. J-O-K-E. What color is yolk? Of an egg. Oh, what do you call the white of an egg? And what's everybody going to say? Yolk. You see what happened to you? See how easily your mind is deceived and led into controlling your tongue to say something that you know ain't right. If, he, if a little trick like that can get you, and there's a lot of those, it's just uh, it, what do you think the, the, the devil or a spirit of a devil can do to you in your mind if you're not aware of what he's done? Now, if I pull that on you right now, you wouldn't fall for it. Not a one of you would fall for it. Mm-hmm. Let's do that again. Hey, spell joke. <laughs> when we get to that punchline, you're going to say, nah. You're wise to it, see? Right. Well, that's what we're doing here tonight. We're looking at the Scripture where He tells us plainly how to tell the difference. If we only operate in the realm of truth and error and assume we'll be safe as long as we follow truth, we'll be deceived by a spirit of error. That's why you got, that's why you got uh, hypocrites in the church. That's why you got Pharisees. That's what a Pharisee is. That's what's happened to him. He knows all the truth, but he's got a spirit of error. Yes. 
That's what happens to people in church. As it explains to me so many people that I've known through the years who were, oh, they got so religious and so haughty and righteous and boy, fault-finding and boy, they could pick at everybody else. And they learned a little bit of truth through a spirit of error. And they ended up in error. And a lot of them ended up with their lives destroyed and their families destroyed. Because they didn't know how to tell the difference between the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. Yes. They just thought truth and error. And boy, if I can get that and, and anybody will say amen to that, then I got it. Oh, All I got to do is just know the truth and know what's right and what's wrong and be able to tell the difference and I can navigate my way through this life. No, you're not going to make it. It's the spirit that's behind it. That's what makes all the difference. If we, you know, because they'll speak truth to us as long as it takes to get us to the point that we'll accept the error with which they intend to entrap us. I've seen people get in church and boy, they'll lock on to some things like standards, you know, of dress and, you know, they'll get real radical about jewelry and all, anything like that. And boy, they get where they're real discerning about anybody that does anything, you know, and they're looking at them. And, but they've got the worst spirit. Yes. Yeah. They've got a hateful spirit, a condemning spirit, a contemptible spirit. I mean, you can just go on and on. A spirit of strife, a spirit of, you know, all that list that I've got. I can, well, truth didn't lead them into that. A spirit of error used the truth to turn them into a miserable, wretched person who thinks they're saved and going to heaven and they're going to end up in hell. <laughs> There's a better way to identify the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And the Bible gives it to us plainly here. There's two major things that are mentioned right here in the scripture we read that show us how to identify the spirit of truth and the spirit of error in verses 2 and 3. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard it should come and even now already is in the world. Now, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this because I've talked about this before. Anybody who will deny any part of the incarnation of Jesus Christ that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. If you, anybody that, that denies any part of that is under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. Yes. It's too plain. You can't deny it. I mean, it's just flat out, there it is, what the Bible says. And that includes any suggestion that Jesus overcame sin with divine power that is not available to us. Right. If you believe that, if you think that, if you look at this the whole thing with that in your mind, you're under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. It's a spirit of error. That's how you know. Because you're questioning what the Bible plainly tells us. By appearing... Uh, and, and let me say this too. Or that some part of his flesh was different than ours. Or superior in some way. This is not taken away from the deity of Christ. He was God. But he, when he walked this earth, he lived in a body of flesh and blood just like ours. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. You can't deny that. There was no difference. He didn't have special blood. He didn't have special flesh. You know, 
No flesh, special bones. He was made just like us. Now, if you think that sin is a part is because of your flesh, body, flesh, then you're messed up. You have been under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. That is not where sin comes from. Sin is a moral issue. It comes from the heart of man. Your body is just a piece of of dirt with some water added to it. It's perishable. It's temporary. It's a tabernacle. It's the tent that you temporarily houses your soul and your spirit. It's not sinful. Your soul is what's sinful. Your heart is what's sinful. Jesus was just like us, but without sin. He did not sin. And that's the gospel. That's the, that is the whole way of salvation. You must believe that God became what we are in order that we might become what He is. By appearing to take the high road in glorifying Jesus Christ as the Son of Man beyond what the Bible clearly teaches... This is what these people do, see, under the influence of a spirit of error. They think they're really glorifying the, the Lord by making Him something different than what the Bible says it is. You know, He had God's blood. The Bible has, that is not in the Word of God. That is a made-up fantasy. It's heresy is what it is. It's a spirit of Antichrist. And it'll lead you into all kinds of other error. But they, by doing that, they make it appear like they're just really exalting Him above everything. They usurp the authority of the Scriptures and brand anyone who doesn't join with them in their beliefs as heretics who are blaspheming God because that's what most of them think I'm doing right now. It's abominable to them what I just said Mm -hmm. because it's the basis of what they believe. They've cheapened the gospel and salvation down to this fantasy that somebody thought up one time under the influence of a spirit of error. Remember that that it's a spirit of a devil that would suggest these things and do this. Not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is never going to tell anybody such nonsense that's not in the scripture. That is from the devil. Vain imaginations. I really do believe that. Now, the second thing that identifies the spirit of error is their association with this world. In verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And it's speaking of the spirits of errors. Spirits of devils, false prophets. (sighs) And the world heareth them. They speak of the world. They are of the world. And they speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. Oh, there it is, right there. And he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. All right, now I've you know, been a long time at this, and I've run into all kinds of people, and I've just found two kinds of people, ones that will listen and ones who won't. That's it. And that's how you tell the difference. That's how you tell what kind of spirit you're dealing with. (laughs) It's exactly right. 
Man, that just clears up so much for me. So many times I've just said, what's the matter with you? Why can't you understand? I mean, that's what, it's just so true. How could you not understand that? Well, now I know. They won't hear. They will not hear. They will not hear. If they're under the spirit of error, they will not hear what God's, what God's word says or what God's people say. They won't hear. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. We're a citizen of a different country. And in some respects, we speak a different language. It's like that. It's like, you know, you people can kind of understand what I'm talking about here tonight. But if I was talking to the crowd over at the ball game, they'd think I was crazy. They wouldn't understand nothing I'm talking about. He that is... Uh, we are of God. He that is of God heareth us. Yes. Yeah, we talk about running into people, strangers, and meeting them and, and saying, like spirit. And you really enjoy it. And by the way, we had something happen on the trip. It was unusual. Never had that happen before. But uh, we got up early Saturday morning to go get some breakfast. We went to this Cracker Barrel. Well, usually they used to open at 6 o'clock. Now it's 7 o'clock, so we was there early. So we were sitting on the bench out in the front waiting <laughs> on the doors to open. Well, another couple, probably a little younger than us, I imagine, since we're the older people now. Everywhere we go, we're the oldest people. Anyway, they come up, and, and we got to talking and everything. Well, he was some kind of a Methodist Presbyterian preacher. He'd go either way. But, you know, they were nice people, and we talked a little bit, and we went in, and they took them to another part, and we sat down and ate our breakfast, and we were just about getting done, and they got done before we did, and he come by, and they spoke to us again, and he just snatched the bill off the table and paid for our breakfast. I said, man, you don't need to do that. I want to do that. So, <laughs> yeah, they paid for our breakfast. Well, that was nice. I find people that it's easy to talk to about the things of God. Yes. And I find people that you just can't. Right. <laughs> and it's not always just because they're, they're ignorant and don't know and unlearned, you know. I mean, don't know anything about God or what I'm talking about. That's not what it is. I can show you... I can, Man, I can name a bunch of independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James Baptists mm -hmm. who I cannot talk to. No, they will not hear no, not nothing that I want to talk about. Right. Oh, yes. Yep. Well, what is wrong? Yes. There's a spirit of error. That's right. Yes, it is. I find that I don't have any problem with the real people of God wherever I have ever been. You know, we were in Mexico. There were missionaries that I couldn't, man, alive. We couldn't jive at all. I, but some of the people in their churches, no problem. On the same page. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is. Influenced by the same spirit. Right. If you're that little saying about kindred spirit, well, that's, you know, that's, I think that's badly worded, but I understand what they're talking about. I understand the meaning of it. Mm -hmm. When you can get with somebody 
And I'm talking about the things of God. I'm not talking about just, you know, you just get along very well and you like each other and all that. I'm talking about being able to fellowship in the Spirit of God. It's just the Spirit of error and the Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. That is the Spirit of truth. There's no other Spirit of truth. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of truth. The second thing that identifies the spirit of error is their association with the world. All right, the spirit of error will use earthly, worldly, carnal thinking and reasoning in their arguments. We're doing good. It's 30 minutes. Seemed like a lot longer. But this, did you hear me? The spirit of error will use earthly, worldly, carnal thinking and reasoning in their arguments. They'll try to explain spiritual things with earthly things. Brother Owen always had a had a thing about illustrations in sermons, and I know why. Because that's a that's a that's a key flag right there. We don't understand spiritual things from carnal things. No, no, you under it's just the reverse. You're going to understand about life and what and these carnal things, everything that carnal stuff causes. What is it? To be carnally minded is death. Yes, sir. That's strife and envy and all of the bad things. That's what carnality is. And you can understand how that works from the other way around. From the spirit of truth will explain all that. But they take all that men do and say and how they act and the way they treat each other and their relationships and they, if you look at that, then you can understand God. No, that's backwards. That's right. That ain't right. You're talking about a spirit of error. They're of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. So you got a church full of worldly carnal people listening to a worldly carnal guy or woman nowadays, explain all about God through carnal illustrations and examples and stories. And the blind lead the blind and they both fall in a ditch. For them, truth will only be found in what they can see and touch and experience. Not by faith in the Word of God. They don't believe something you can't explain. Well, ain't nothing but humanism. It's unbelief. It's carnal-mindedness. <clears throat> Number one red flag, here it is. They'll not listen to truth from the Word of God. Number one red flag. Won't listen to truth from the Word of God. <clears throat> so important, he that, he that knoweth God heareth us. He'll listen to truth and not reject it out of hand. I don't know, I wish I could... This, I wish I could say what I need to say in a way that you could just get it like that. But I've watched missionaries and preachers all through the years. And we can have missionaries here like we did, the one I just read the note from here a while ago. And I can watch them and listen to them. And, and everything's, you know, it, everything is right. Yes. And then there's others, and they'll say things that are right, and they'll try to act like you and agree with you on everything you say and all that but man there's something just something just ain't real <laughs> and I don't believe that's discernment on my part it's just a fact of, of 
well, maybe experience, maybe just, you know, getting older and seeing it so many times. But, you know, there's just something more to it than that. We're led by the Spirit. And, and I believe God's Spirit, if He's leading us, He shows us things. You know, He's the comforter. If everything's all right, there'll be some comfort there. Yeah. I mean, God will speak peace to you about it. Yeah. And it ain't a feeling, a gut feeling. It ain't like that. No, it just ain't like that. It's just that there's things that just don't seem right. I mean, you can just... A person just seems real or they don't seem real. And when it comes to the things of God, you just can't hardly fake it too much around somebody that is real. You can't get by with faking it. They've got to be immature in their walk before you can do that. Well, let me hurry. He'll listen to truth. No matter how deep it cuts him or goes against his deep-seated traditions and hand-me-down beliefs he's got, he'll still listen to truth. He that is not of God heareth not us. Now, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8 and verse 47. Jesus said it this way. He's in John chapter 8. He's head on with these Pharisees and everybody. He said, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. He said the exact same thing, only he just said, give it to them straight. They said, we be Abraham's children. Then they told him he had a devil. What kind of spirit do they have? When someone will not listen to truth, they're under the power of a spirit of error. Yes. Yeah. If you could just get that. Mm -hmm. If we could just get that and keep it and understand it. And there are people who may have little understanding, but yet will listen and consider truth. Have you realized that? <clears throat> I've found that the people with, with the least knowledge and understanding of God will usually listen the best. They're more open. Mm -hmm. Then there are people who reject truth out of hand if it contradicts or challenges anything that they've already embraced and placed into their mental filtering system. Boy, there's your preachers and missionaries and hard-headed Baptist knotheads that's been in church for all their life, you know, and used to call them mossbacks. Yeah, yeah that's what mm -hmm. I used to hear that often. Some old mossback deacon sitting there. <laughs> well, that's what they were talking about. People just had it all figured out and you ain't going to tell them nothing. Well, I know them too. They're under, the, they're under the influence of a spirit of error. Spirit of God, spirit of truth will never take you that, to that kind of a state. Spirit of God will make you more and more humble. And the longer you live, the, more, the less you think you know, really. No amount of reasoning with them will bring them out of that bondage. We need to understand that. No amount of manipulating their emotions will bring them out of that bondage. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to have singers. And we're going to have a story telling. We're going to really, I mean, we're really going to have some emotional things in this meeting. It'll get to them. No, it won't. You might make them cry. And you might persuade them to come to the altar and make some kind of commitment. But you're not going to do any good with somebody who's under the influence of a spirit of error until you get them out from under that influence of that spirit of error. You're going to have to do something about that spirit before there's any hope for them. 
we got it. We can't be offended by them and react toward them in a negative way. Y'all listening to me? We run into people all the time that are like that. You know, they think they're saved and they're as far out there as it they can get. You know, like Sunday night here. You know, there's no need to be haughty or arrogant or hateful to people like that. Nope, nope. What we what we do that only solidifies them in their position in their mind. If you do that, what we got to do is recognize and identify the spiritual power that has them entangled, and pray to God to remove that spirit's influence and hold upon them. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. That's the way. You know about casting out devils. You know that's the way they did it in the Bible, and the disciples did it. And and it was you call on God to deal with this evil spiritual power. God can do it. But here we are. I mean, what are we here for? What would have happened to the maniac in Mark chapter five if Jesus had never came? What happened to that deaf and dumb boy in Mark chapter 9 if if Jesus hadn't come down off of that mountain when he did? Well, what's going to happen to all these people that are under that same influence if we don't ever do anything except just get mad at them and offended at them and call them stupid and fools and, you know, wicked and everything else? and. And we, or we just try to teach them out of it. Right. What's going to happen to them? Mm. Ain't nothing going to happen to them. Yep. That boy in Mark chapter nine, and we started all this with that story right there. <clears throat> the disciples couldn't cast out the devil. Why not? Was it because they lacked some power or something? Well, I don't believe that it's power that God gives to us to do that. Say, so, well, He gave them power to cast out devils. Well, yeah. there's a little difference in the language back then and in and now. God don't give us a badge or authority like that. He told him, said, don't be rejoicing because the devils are subject to you. Some of them tried it, thinking they had the power. They got whooped up on them. And they didn't cast the devil out. So what we got to do is recognize, identify the spiritual power that has them entangled, and pray to God to remove its influence and its hold upon them. Answer them with Scripture. In their confusion, in their contradictions, and not with our knowledge and our opinions or our experiences. Well, now, let me tell you what happened to me one time. Now, this No, answer them with Scripture. I have found that is the most effective way. It's what Jesus did. Sure is. It's what He did every time. It's what the martyrs did. If you read some of the accounts of the martyrs, it, it, that's one thing that really stood out. <coughs> when they had them before the the judge and they were condemning them and everything and while they railed on them on the stake they never said one word about their opinion their thoughts they answered with scripture everything that was thrown at them they answered with the scripture yeah. that's the thing to do yeah. 
The only way to resist error is with truth. And the Word of God is truth. My opinions and feelings are not. They're no authority. I'm no authority. The Word of God's the authority. This is what spiritual warfare is really about. And this is how it is waged. And I keep hammering on this, but you've got to recognize and identify the enemy. And then you've got to zero in on him. And forget all this stuff that we do in our own carnal thoughts and powers. And we think we know. We analyze and we look in our little medicine bag to see if we've got just what they need. That's the way we do it. We search our mind and our experiences that we can go through something we got that we can give to them that will help them. And we don't have anything that's going to help them. We've got to realize that it's a spiritual battle. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And in Ephesians 6 here where we're at, you know, the whole armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, that's the only offensive weapon we have. The rest of it's just defense. It's true. So they don't get us. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand the wiles of the devil. And having not done all, to stand. Now you put on the whole armor, and you got a sword. And it's the Word of God. It's all we got to attack with. We don't have a, a degree, ain't going to do us no good. I've been Bible school. I've been ordained now. Don't mess with me. I'm a force to be reckoned with here. You don't know what you're dealing with. <laughs> what a bunch of baloney. It's, it is a habit of thinking and viewing others that we've got to develop in ourselves. Y'all listening. I'm done here. But just listen to me on the very end here. This is what, this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. If you ever wonder and try to think in your mind, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? Just to do right all the time, to show everybody what a good Christian you are, always go to church and, you know, read your Bible every day and pray and, you know, fast once in a while, man, you're walking in the Spirit. Yes, sir. Is that what you think? That's not it at all. Walking in the Spirit is being aware of what's going on here. The spirit, the physical world, and the people in it are controlled and manipulated by spiritual powers. And we ignore it. We just ignore it and keep trying to fight this battle with carnal weapons. And it ain't no wonder that we're losing ground every day. A person who has had a spiritual birth sees the kingdom of God through spiritual eyes and not carnal eyes. You don't just get religious. You're... These people talk about being woke. They're dead in sins and in trespasses. You want to get woke, get born again. You'll see. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Walking in the Spirit means that we are spiritually aware and not blind as we were before we were born again. I, once I was blind, but now I see. See what? What? What is it everybody sees? Saying those words and don't have a clue what they're talking about. Never occurs to them the reality of what that means. No matter how many testified to it. As old John Newton said that. And he was testifying of his experience. 
<laughs> and so will every Christian that's ever been born again. But still, it's it's like the spirit of error keeps everybody. You know how to tell the difference now? Yes. Now I tell the difference between the, not just the truth and error, but the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I hope so. Father, thank you for the word of God. It's so true, so helpful. Please help us, Lord, to to drink this in and to assimilate it into our life into our thinking and reasoning and our understanding of what's going on around us. Help us, Lord, that we would be a a good soldier of Jesus Christ and fight the good fight of faith. This is what it's about right here. And help us to get in on it and not just be dawdling around the sidelines while everything dis- disintegrates around us here in this wicked world. Help us to do some good. And I pray this is to help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.